Delighted now to be joined by Dublin and Kula senior editor David Tracy. David, it's great to say you've always kind of been engrossed in Ireland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know if that's a curse or or a blessing. Um, I think just from a very early age, my dad my dad would have represented Dublin um, in the late eighties. Uh, he would have played for his club St Kevin's, and that's where he grew up. And he, he got into that playing from school actually, and then he moved out to to climb out this direction um, in the late eighties. And I think the Holdens heard that uh, that he he'd moved out, so he didn't have much choice but to join uh, to join Cool. And from then, uh, I had obviously told to tag along when I was born and go to every game and every training session so I didn't really have a choice as to whether I was to play soccer, rugby, hurling, Gaelic um, at this age so I kind of played both hurling and, and Gaelic football equally all the way up till 21 and then I kind of had to make a decision from then. And um, what made you fall in love with hurling instantly? I suppose you're just around it all the time, um, like your whole life, well my dad's whole life, you'd be at Tuesday evening, you'd be going out to Shankill, I'd be there with Paul Shute, with Mark Shute, um, just poking around the entire time, going to matches in O'Toole Park, we used to have a tennis ball and smack it against the, the gable wall of the pub there, like paying no attention to, to the match that was going on, we were more interested in what we were doing, but it was just great fun, um, and like, you know, hearing of these heroes that we had in our club like winning championships and things like that you kind of wanted to emulate them and, and kind of go on and win things and and once you get playing it gets competitive and then you just get it, it you just get bitten by it and it's, it's once you're good at it or you know you're, you're you're enjoying it it's 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 just kind of intoxicating eventually when you go to start chasing wins and you mentioned there um your father obviously played here then and uh, you currently play with your brother Sean, so like it has always kind of heard and always kind of been enriched in your family. Yeah, a hundred percent. And when Sean Sean's six years younger than me, so it's always good to have a younger brother you can bait a ball at. Um, he, he always put him, he always put him in nets. Maybe that's why I'm the forward and he's kind of the midfielder. He's always he always gets uh, thrown in nets. Um, same with Mark Chute as well, Paul's younger brother. Um, but yeah, so it, it's amazing and 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 just the fact like. We, we were joking before before the call, like if a fight broke out in one of our games, you know, if it was a Shannon or a Callahan or a Toomey or something like that, we'd, we'd run the risk of having about eight lads sent off because there's about 10 different cousins in the starting lineup. So, and, and even more uh, on the on the wider panel. So you'd have the Shootays, the O'Callahans, the Toomeys, the, the, the Shannons, you know, the Shootays, whatever, um, all brothers, and it's just very special. Even Jake Malone's brothers just joined the panel this year, so it's it's a special feeling, and it's it's full of family members, and um, and it's yeah, it's it's great to be able to play with 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 your family. And playing with Kula uh, down through the years, and obviously being involved uh, in it, like how special of a club is it for you? Yeah, it's amazing. Like I I know no difference, so I can only say it's 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 an amazing club. But you can see itself, you know. Not so much, obviously, the, the small bit of success that we've had a couple of years ago, but even from all the age groups, um, again, we spoke, I joined the academy and I was the second year of the actual academy is when I don't know if they put a 20-year plan in place for, for Kula. But a group got together and put a really big emphasis on underage. Um, and I think that was Dublin-wide in terms of the, the, the strategy that the Dublin County Board had put into place in terms of the coaches getting into the schools and, and, and really invigorating that. Um, and yeah, just, just fr from then on, it's, it's, it's grown from strength to strength. And the numbers have jumped up in terms of the interest in a particular area that wouldn't have been known for Gaelic games at the time. 
you know, you have a lot of rugby clubs in the area. There's a lot of soccer clubs competing as well. So to see the numbers and on a Saturday you drive past and you can't believe like there's not a, you know, a blade of grass that isn't covered by some kid or some piece of training equipment and parents coaching them on. So it's, it's really special. And we were just lucky to obviously be the senior team that, that, um, that managed to, 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 to win something with, with that as well. And obviously, when you started out with Kuda, you weren't winning all the time. But and the success you've had down through the years, like lots of hard work must have went in there. Like it, like it, as it's this day in sport, like it just it doesn't happen overnight. No, it doesn't. And and again, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of organisation. Um, I suppose like I've been blessed to have like my 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 father would have coached me from a very young age, and he had a crop of us our age group that was Ushin Goff and Paul Shute. Um. You know, we had, you know, four minors at the time. And then there was considerable amount of coaches, coaching that has gone in the year above me, the year below me. And there's there's been a good representation of, of Dublin players on those. Um, so we'd always have very, very competitive underage teams. Uh, and I suppose it got to an age when, you know, we were 19, 20, 21. And we won, won a 21 championships to see when can we take that to the next stage. Uh, and it didn't happen for ages. I mean, we struggled. We were in relegation battles. We were, you know, struggling in the league. We were celebrating if we got out of a group stage in, in, in that. Um, so, like, you know, it, it was a long journey and a lot of work had gone in um, and more so a lot of organisation and kind of taking advantage of the good group of players that we know we had um, to kind of take us to that next level. Do you think Matty Kenny, when he did come in at that period, really contributed to going to the next level? Uh, yeah, like completely, like it's it, it, almost the entirety, you know, we had, we had a very good team and we had very good managers, but Matty, Matty came in um, and he put, or he organized everything and he, and he made sure that there was support networks and that we had everything we needed. He made sure that the training was top notch in terms of the staff that he brought around. And it didn't happen overnight with him. We got knocked out in the quarterfinal, the first round against Bally Bowden, and we were beaten very well that day in O'Toole Park. And that was at a time when, when Bally Bowden's team were, you know, they had all the, the heavy hitters in that year and they just coming off the back of winning, you know, six championships or, or whatever they had won in a row. So we, he had a lot of work to do, but what he was able to do was kind of put that organization in place, keep everyone fit, as I think is huge. And then the following year, we, we managed to, to win our first championship since 1994. Um, and then we actually got all the way then to the, the Leinster final uh, where we fell short against Ayala Tabala. So... It, it, it didn't happen overnight. It was a lot of years of that. But what I would say is Matty put the organisation in place for us to actually go to that next level and achieve what we what we thought or what we knew that we could have done at the club level. And by that organisation, what do you particularly mean? Um, from everything, like just in terms of how you approach club training, um, you know, taking it seriously, making sure that you're well prepared for that train and just the quality of the drills, making sure we had a, our own base and area to train, making sure we had a, you know, about 100, 150 slitters flying around as once to make sure that we're, we're hitting as many balls as we can in an hour and a half, how we approached, you know, opponent analysis, how we approached our fitness levels, everything that could be measured, Matty kind of left no stone unturned and made sure that with the resources that we had to make sure that we could get the most out of ourselves. And I suppose that was something, not that it wasn't new to me. I, I'd been on Dublin teams before and, and, and I've been on, you know, championship winning teams before, but in terms of at that club level, I'd never seen anything like it before. And it, it and if, you know, it was, it was great at the time. 
You mentioned that year where the breakthrough finally came and you were defeated by Aura Dybala. The, the next particular year, was was there a sense that there was something coming? Like, did you feel yourselves that you could push on after losing that? Yeah, you always, you always feel you can push yourself on after it and, and it's gut-wrenching when you do lose. Uh, because it's it's some crack when you go uh, on the road with, with your club like um and it was it's an amazing journey it's something that i'd never placed like when your club you never play anyone outside your county un- unless you win it and we had never won it before so it was it was such a, a brilliant experience getting on the road getting you know the supporters on the road going down to you know going down to these places like dr cullen or you know port leash or you know all these places that you'd never play as a club or your club would never travel to outside the county to support you so it was amazing and I suppose when, when we played Erlars, they they were on the back of their own heartaches um, after a few years of losing Leinster final. So that was a big one for them. Um, and I suppose it was their time. And we were a bit naive and we were a bit inexperienced in Leinster. But we were at that age, I think, at the time. I was probably 25 at the time. Um, a lot of the players were at that age group. So we, we knew we were kind of reaching our peaks and we knew like you know if Matty was to stay on that there was something more to give there and we had the makings of something but going and doing it is a completely different thing because you have to get out of, of the club championship again and, and that's like it's it's incredibly difficult to win your, your county championship but yeah thankfully we, we we had another crack at it the next year Yeah and like fatigue is mentioned so much when you talk about teams who come come back uh, year on year in the club championship how do you keep fresh like throughout that year? Um, it's 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 difficult, uh, you know. Like w- w- with the club, I suppose the club is different from county. Like it is demanding in terms of the volume of matches and the time of year it is. But in terms of the logistics, in terms of mentally draining, again, you're training in much closer proximity to your house. You know, instead of spending an hour and ten minutes in traffic on the way to you know Parnell Park or DC or any of these places to to train for for Dublin. You know, you're spinning down the road to Bray Emmett or to Shankill. Um, so, like, logistically, it's much easier. Um, but the volume of games, I, I suppose, it's it's just managing your body as well as you can. And that's another thing that Matty was excellent and still is excellent. That is, is knowing and sensing when to have a big session during the week. Or, like, a lot of those games in Leinster, you, you play your match. The championship final uh, for Dublin was on the Sunday. And you're out next week against, you know, we were playing, you know, Kilcotton, the Leash champions the week after. So, you just have to be really careful with your training don't overextend us, making sure we're, we're, we're covered. We're blessed that we're actually close to, to the sea here. So get down to the to the 40 foot or Kalani beach and get into the sea and, and do whatever you can. And, you know, when you're winning, they don't, it doesn't hurt as much. It, it's only after you, you start feeling the pains after it. So yeah, it was just kind of managing it week on week. And I suppose things have been caught up. There was a few injuries here and there due to the, the sheer amount you're, you're getting back with Dublin, you're back with the club. But thankfully, um, a big thing for a club if you're to be successful is keeping everyone fit. And, and we did by the skin of our teeth. Um, Paul Chute will speak differently now. He uh, he tore his hamstring in the, I think he got through the 80 minutes against Nipirsic in the first one and then tore his hamstring in the second round. But um, yeah, we were just lucky to get through with injuries and, and be able to manage it that way. And when you look back like on the Back-to-back all Ireland, you must think now a remarkable achievement. <laughs> yeah, so, like, sometimes, yeah. When you look back, like, it's incredible, yeah. Like, I met with, like, we, we used to have meetings, you know, you'd have wash-ups or whatever after a championship for the club, and it was at a time when we weren't particularly going too well. I remember Oshin Goff speaking up and, and, and saying, it, you know, I think this team can win in All-Ireland, like, and, 
you know, the team nearly laughing, laughing in his face, thinking, what, what are you joking? We can't get out of the group stage in, in Dublin, like, let alone that. Now, this is, you know, 10, 10, 12, 15 years ago. Like, <laughs> but getting to that stage, it is, it is remarkable. But I suppose you're, you're so fully absorbed in it um, and it rolls around so quickly that you don't have really time to reflect on it up until these moments uh, time now when you're, say, for example, we're, we're finished our championship now, we're seeing croaks, they're still training for their Leinster first round um, and you do get that pang of jealousy and you look back and you, you reflect on what a brilliant achievement it was and it was, it was amazing. You know, th th think of like, you know, your club getting a dart from Dawkey to, to, to whatever, Croke Park and marching up whatever, Clonliffe and, and, and having them all there in Croke Park. It's just bizarre when you think about it to do that twice in a row, one of which... Against Napierce, they had that one with after you know with a few minutes to go, and we somehow managed to get to a replay after that. Is yeah, it was just incredible. You mentioned the supporters there. There seems to be a great bond, and I suppose the atmosphere uh, Kula's supporters brought when he had that success as well. Yeah, look again. These are people that you've known for years, and like we still often like um, there's players on the team now on our senior team that were in the crowd and there's like loads of videos of them cheering when they were like you know these lads are like 19 so at the time they were probably 15 or 16 um, and it's just gas seeing them in the crowd and now you're actually playing with them but yeah that's all that's always been really really special um having your family there you know um your partners whomever you know kids that you see in the academy um train past trainers that have been there for years and catching up with them it's like i don't think i'm alone and thinking it's probably one of the most special things within us um and it's probably the the one you know defining thing in the club in terms of the bonds that you have and the people that you meet um and it's solely the reason why like one of the reasons why i play is just to get that enjoyment and enjoy it with the people that you've had connections with and relationships over the years you know throughout them periods um like especially for kula and even with dublin you, you you have hit some ridiculous frees, but free taking alone, like when you're preparing for matches, like is is a lot of free taking work you're doing outside of training. Uh, well, it has to be like because you can't go and, and and leave a running drill or a tackling drill just to go and pop a free. So everything has to be before training and after training in your own time. Um, I suppose I I was blessed in terms of free taking of of the people that I've met throughout in terms of how they approach that because when I like I would have always taken freeze for for my club all the way up but I only started hitting freeze for Dublin at minor level up to 21s and then I only probably started hitting freeze for Dublin in 2015 I'd never hit them up six years on the panel and I'd never struck freeze properly like and the people I've met in the sessions that I've done I mean we had Jer Cunningham's brother Brian he would have taught me about a lot about you know the process and where you put the ball you know, even where you put it on the ridges, what sort of grass do you go for? What are your stance? How are you aligning yourself? We did a session with Dave Allred once. He was in Dublin and he came and, and did a session with us. He's the he's the famous, uh, he's Johnny Wilkinson's and Johnny Sexton's kicking coach. And he taught us a lot about, you know, getting feedback from how you struck the ball. And he does a lot of golf. He does a lot of rugby. He was he was doing hurling and, and the principle is the same about how you hit the ball. Our, even up to our, our physiotherapist is a, is a brilliant golfer and, and he's SNC as well, but his name is Moss Lamman and, and he, would, he would think deeply about this so much so that he's doing a thesis on free-taking routines um, and, what, and what thought process goes in. Is it better to have a routine or not have a routine? So, I mean, I've had a lot of 
experience and a lot of uh, a lot of touch points with, with with great people that have taught me how to think more deeply about I hate us. Um, and I suppose at the end of the day, it comes down to taking the kind of best bits. Not everything plugs and plays into into what works well. Um, so what works for me doesn't work for Donald Burke or Paul Ryan or whomever's hitting freeze. But the idea is that you take the best bits and that you can repeat it so that when it comes to a quite a quite a difficult time of the game or a tense period, you can always go back to what you've practiced. Um, and that's something that, you know, Matty ingrained in, into the, the free take and whatever the free taker, Dean free takers on the Dublin team, the same with Kula. And you just need to what measured gets done so you just need to get reps in see where you're weak what sides which side of the pitch do you do you miss more on which needs a, a, a small bit of emphasis on so yeah it's it's been a journey i don't i don't claim to be you know the the authority on it but um i'm just lucky enough to to pit you know in the club i hit a couple of important ones and you know i'm lucky that i that i'm the one that's trusted on when it comes to it in a lot of the games that i play with Kula. but yeah do you know when it's in the air, whether you've made the connection straight away or? Um, it's like anything else. It's the same as open play. You're trying to begging it to curl or not to curl or stay there or don't stay there. So I think, uh, to be honest, you know by the strike um, and you're hoping that everything you've done in, and again, this is just this is just my experience, you know that you've done everything in your, in your sort of pre-free routine or whatever. You, you know, you concentrate and you've got a really good pickup. You're not trying to overswing and you're not trying to underswing. You're not trying to hit it too hard. You know that the strike and the connection was good. So then your your head's generally down. Um, and then it's just when you look up to see, okay, the strike, it felt good. So you can see it going to the post. And for then it's, you're willing it to do anything, but it, it seldom listens to you. So it's, it's, it's not down to that. But you know, when you've had a, you've hit a good connection and you, you've hit it well, like, you know. Free takers often talk about, uh, visualization is that something you've used um not so much in that sense like i'd kind of i kind of do it on a day before a game so i'd like to i'd like to go and just hit a few like maximum 20 or 30 maybe at just different positions of the pitch um and it's more so just to accustomize myself with the dimensions of the pitch, making sure, you know, if I'm if I'm on the pitch and I'm hitting a free the following day, I can go back to this and say, look, I did this exactly 24 hours ago and it was fine and it went uh, went well. I've put in the work. So more myself is, is, is visualizing, you know, myself in certain positions on the pitch and then going back to being able to call upon memories and, and call upon, you know, areas of the pitch that I've been in more to kind of relax myself, get me set and, and, and kind of, use that as a as a sort of training aid that way and you mentioned there about like freeze with Kula under pressure like particularly Napierty uh that game when it was in the melting pot like how do you just I suppose get that pressure away and just focus on the task yeah like uh, I don't know I look back on that and I I, I remember Paul Shute went down I think he won the free um I didn't even know the time that was on the clock. It was one of those games that were just it was just frantic the entire game. And I remember I think one of their one of their team was either spraying water at me or just saying things that weren't too kind and stuff like that. It was just one of those frantic games when 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 nothing was everything was going uh, everything was just all to play for. So I to be honest with you, it was just one of those things where I was just concentrating on 
just going back to where on the where on the pitch is it, what position is it, what position is my my body aligning myself and just getting a good pick up and a good strike on us. Um it's it's kind of like a blur, but yeah, that that's generally what if I was into one of those positions to be just focus on going through the process and trying to take out the circumstance from the actual free, you know. Um Joe Canning was talking in the media there about how he practices sideline cuts, but he was talking about how he's done the majority of the work in his youth. Like, is that with free taking would would for you as well there? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think so. Like, I mean, I've taken freeze my entire hurling career, like ever since I was whatever playing playing with Kula. Uh, it's not to say that it can't be learned, but it's much easier when you're comfortable with everyone watching you on the pitch, like you know, um, and taking the responsibility on. Um, I found it very difficult at the start hitting freeze for Dublin. There was games and I had absolute mares because I wasn't used to hitting freeze in that on that platform or in front of that many people in a lot of respect. Like, um, so it is it is difficult to learn, but it makes it a hell of a lot easier when you know the game stops, you're throwing the ball, and it's it's up to you to put it over the bar. But it's something that you've done since you were a kid, so it's something that you can block out. You know, distractions or things that you might if you were asked, and you don't generally take freeze that you that you wouldn't do um, if you were just thrown on that. Um, and things like, you know, alignment, how you pick up the ball, how you aim, all, all becomes better over time. And it takes years and years to do that. So th- I, I, w- I would agree with that. Um, and it's something that just kind of becomes muscle memory after the time being. Not obviously the accuracy, but in terms of the positioning and how you hit it free and how you shape yourself up. You, you know, you've learned that from when you were underage, you know. You mentioned as well uh, about watching Kilmacud on, like... I, it it must be jealousy in one sense when you're not there, um, but for you now particularly, is it focusing on Dublin for 2022? Or, or yeah, look uh, again. That, now's the time to kind of reflect. Um, like to answer your first question, yes, obviously it is jealousy. Like you know, and it's and you, like you'd be stupid not to say that. Like the the journey that they can go on, but I suppose in, in our head, you can we can hold our hands up and say, look. They, they were they were excellent all year um, from the first time we played them in the group stage to the the semi-final um, they were they were very very hungry this year and, and they have a great great few finds in a couple of the players that they have and they have players reaching their peaks you know the likes of Ronan Hayes has had an outstanding season and and they stayed relatively injury free for a lot of us um, and that's that's huge when it comes into club championship because you can't afford to jump it lads in and out um so like all credit to them um and yeah obviously i'm uh, it's like looking it out uh, in and there and hopefully they can they can relish that and kick on in leinster um but to your second question yeah now's the time just to kind of reflect just take it all in um I'm, i was 32 last week so it's kind of kind of thinking thinking on it but yeah all focus moves ahead we, we move ahead with, with, with what's next uh, and i suppose you can't dwell on the past too much so yeah that's that's kind of the focus from that Obviously, you mentioned being called into Dublin in zero nine. For you, where is um, Dublin hurling at at the moment? Like, I think it's in like I can only speak. Obviously, I have experience within the camp, uh, and at the moment, it's it's absolutely fantastic. Like, I mean, we can talk about the years that we've had and the success that we've gone by, but really, we can only look forward. Um, and what I see is is a panel that's a lot of the. The players are reaching their peaks now. You know the likes of Keno Callan, Chris Cromie. You have a lot of young players coming through. Um, you know, like the likes of Keno Sullivan is a great find. 
Um, you know, Owen O'Donnell's there, they're, they're class. And I think the spirit in the camp is absolutely brilliant. Look, look at the success of the under-20s that we've seen. Look at how competitive our club championship was um, and all the players. Some of the scores that were on show for our club championship for Dublin was, was absolutely spectacular, like, and you'd see it anywhere else in the world. In terms, of, in terms of the panel strength and in terms of, you know, the competitiveness of the championship and the spirit in the camp, it's, it's, it's really, really high. Um, and otherwise, I wouldn't come back. You know, it's, it's getting to that age. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's absolutely brilliant. So I think it's in a good, it's in good position. But now is the time to actually kick on and, and, and take a big scalp and, and, and try and push on for, for more. And um, we had some good results last year. We had some very poor results. So it's, it's, it's time now to kind of to see if we can get to that next level. And I think all the makings that are there, obviously, I completely trust Matty. He's been my manager from Kula and Club for over eight years now. The right person's in, in the position to, to kind of take us to that le level. The right the right support is there from a county board perspective. Now it's it's over to the players to kind of drive it on. Yeah, that county final in particular, like Nafina Kilmacud, probably the game of the year so far. And yeah. Like talent there that maybe haven't been involved that could be drafted in. Yeah, well, like a lot of a lot of them, like you know, you have the likes of Sean Curry score about seven points in the first half. Like he's knocking around the panel. He's still on. I think he's twenty-two. His brother Colin, um, he's on the panel as well. We all know what Donald Burke can do. Shane Barrett's a, a pro. And then you have you know Donald Burke, one of the, the like is if not the best sticksmith, and with the experience of Liam Rush and the team, um, they had it won after fifty minutes. So like incredible. And then if you look at Crokes, Ron Hay is arguably the best forward we have in the county easily. Um, and Alec, even Alec, even Considine coming in there, like the two of them up there was a huge threat. I think every member of the Crokes forward line had played for Dublin at some level, if not up to twenty one. So, like, in terms of the experience and the talent that was on show, in terms of the quality, it was a lovely night for hurling as well. Even just to, to, depending on the time of year, um, and it was just it was just amazing um, seeing like, it's, like unbelievable at times, like the way. Nafina completely dominated for 50 minutes and then I think it was Crokes outscored Nafina 3-8 to 2 points in the last whatever the last minute, 10 minutes of ordinary time into, into extra time so it kind of had everything it had missed penalties it had goals it had scores from everywhere it had sideline cuts it had, a, it had a bit of everything so it was great advertisement for the club and, and these two actually battled their way through and had some tough games throughout the championship obviously we played Crokes twice you know, the likes of Bridget's Luke and Push and Bally Bowden are always going to be there, thereabouts. So it's a really, really strong championship. And arguably, you know, it's it's the hardest thing to do on the road for your clubs to get out of your club championship. It's fair to say, like, down through the years, people have talked about maybe Dublin not having wristy forwards where it's portrayed as the narrative. <laughs> but, like, that county final has to put it to bed because it must annoy you as players when you're hearing that as well. Yeah, look, uh, yeah, I'd always disagree. You, you, you win at all costs, and I, don't, I, don't, I think the game has moved on past depending on just risky hurlers. So I, I, I take the point, but um, I think the quality of some of the scores on, on show that game, if, if it was done down in, in tip championship or it was done in, in Kilkenny championship, they'd be talking about it for weeks. So in terms of the standard and, and, and the quality of, of hurlers that we have, um, they're they're right up there, um, and I think I think that was a perfect advertisement for that. Um, so yeah, looking forward into twenty twenty two. And like he produced a huge performance against Galway, um, obviously, but COVID getting in the way of that Leinster final must have really been a sickener to take. Yeah, well, look, that's that's 
kind of the times you live in now, isn't it? Um, and it's just something you have to get on with. Um, and it can happen to can happen to any panel. Um, it can happen to any team at any time. And it's just something that you have to get on with. I suppose. Yeah, the final was frustrating. It was a great win against Galway. Um, and also we had Owen O'Donnell, our full back, you know, struggling with the hamstring that day as well. So it wasn't just those COVID cases. We also had a couple of unlucky injuries as well at, at the time. Um, but look, you, you, you dust yourself off, you reassess. If you, that's not to say, like, you know, if we had all those teams that we, that we would have won, you know, because Kenny are obviously an amazing team. So we, we, we look back and say, look, could have, would have, should have. But now it's, it's kind of looking forward and making sure that we, if we do get that chance, you know, hopefully we won't be as unlucky as we were. Hopefully now the injuries can come right. We can stay injury free and have a right crack off the Leinster Championship, you know. And to take the next scalp, like for you is like the first step for Dublin Herders, is it to finally win a Leinster title? Yeah, look, I was lucky enough to be on the 2013 team that did it. But like, I mean, that's it's the first things first is, is, is putting a good showing in the league and I can't believe it's already starting in February. It's absolutely mental, like how quickly it comes around. And that's first and foremost, you know, put, showing a good account of ourselves in that, making sure that we're, you know, giving our best every single week to make sure we can, number one, see new players and giving everyone a chance to develop themselves and make sure, and then number two, make sure we can kind of hit form at the right time. So that'd be first and foremost. Then the next is like, yeah, obviously the Leinster Championship, um, you know, We've, Matty always jokes we, we, we've beaten Galway a few times but again in terms of Kilkenny over the last few years we've been very close a couple of times once in Parnell Park once in Croker um, to get over that line and, and, and even Wexford we've had some serious battles with Wexford over the years as well so hugely competitive so yeah obviously that's the target is to get to a Leinster final again and then hopefully um, give a better account of ourselves than we did last year and, and, and always looking for areas that we can improve on what people maybe forget now, you mentioned the leagues there in February. You'll be slogging away in pre-season in January. Like, but as as players, that must be the toughest part of being an inter-county player. It's funny. It gets tougher every year. The year older you get. Uh, look, it's yeah, it's extremely tough. Like, but again, it's down to you. It's 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 what shape. I think I think in this day and age, and especially with COVID, actually helped this. Players aren't coming back wrote off like they would have, like you know, certainly at the start of our career, like uh, or my intercounty career. Like you know, you'd have lads that would wouldn't be doing anything for if they got knocked out of the club, they wouldn't be picking up a hurley or, or going for a run, you know, from September all the way into into January during your preseason. Nowadays, the game demands you to stay, keep yourself in good shape. Otherwise, I don't think intercounty panels accept that um, in terms of behaviour. Um, I think there's, you know, there, you just can't be let, otherwise you fall miles behind uh, and you can't catch up. So I think I think the awareness, in number one, the education and nutrition has been exceptional. I think players take more personal responsibility in what shape they come back. But I also think COVID has accelerated that personal accountability. Gone be with the days of, um, you know, the manager wouldn't trust you and they wouldn't trust you to do the runs or anything like that. But since we were in lockdown and when having to do it on your own, um, I think a, a lot of trust has been built um, and actually the acceleration, look at us on Zoom now, the acceleration of, you know, technology, you know, you can have a GPS on your back, you can have a Zoom call talking tactics with your team, you can have, you can do, you know, remote, whatever gym sets, they can keep everything accountable, they can benchmark it like that. So 
I think a lot of trust has come. It's probably the one good thing to come from COVID in terms of from a sporting point of view is is the fact that responsibility has got and accountability from the players and that trust that management can give them to actually get the work done and making sure that when at the time it was when the lockdown ends, but now it's when the season starts that you've done your bit of work and you're up to speed and you're and you're 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 in you're in good enough condition as a as a base level, you know. You mentioned they're going from the team environment to an individual environment throughout COVID. Like it must have been something completely different at the start when you're hit with it of something you could really never imagine in the GA. Yeah, well, you can never even imagine even wider than the GA. You can never even imagine it anywhere, you know. It was it was mental, like it still is mental, everything that's going on. I think it's just become normalized now. Um, it's still crazy. It's like, you know, some of the, some of the things that are going on. And, and sometimes you're just so in it that you don't take a step back and say, what, what, what happened that year? Like, I mean, it was bizarre in terms of the protocols and the temperature taking and the traveling out to training on your own and the doing the bits on your own. But again, at the end of the day, we were blessed to be able to actually have that normality when nobody else did. Um, when we returned to inter-county training, everyone else wasn't allowed to travel outside certain radii. Like, um, so, I mean, in saying that it was mental, but we also counted ourselves very lucky to be able to, you know, have purpose in a week where we knew we were training on a Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, whatever. You knew you had to get a certain amount of gym sessions. So throughout COVID, it actually gave me a lot of purpose when there wasn't a lot you were working from home, you were staying at home. It was giving a reason to get up and out and, and there was a sense of normality being able to live through that um, as as a, an inter-county player. We're, you're kind of blessed to be able to have that normality back, you know. Earlier on, you mentioned about uh, the cows being milked in Dalky and different, <laughs> different jokes, but like, does, does there be a good bit of crack between the north and south side in the Dublin camp? Uh, they're, they're definitely, yeah, I don't know, like, they're, they're, ah, there's always a right crack at it, especially in Dalo's years, he always considered himself, if he lived in Dublin, he'd be a Northsider, he always said that, he said he'd probably play for the Crave, is what he always said. <laughs> uh, Matthew, I don't know, I think we've taken Matthew for the South Side, because he, he has that affiliation with Kula, so we have to, he'll have to go for the South Side, that. Ah, there is, there's always a bit of crack there, um, and I suppose, like, the, the, the South Side hurling is kind of, um, kind of dominated the, the last few years in terms of Ballyboden and all their championships Crokes won a couple we've been blessed to have a good few over the past few years so it's it's been it's great to see the likes of you know the likes of Nafina really stepping up and, and showing they've won everything every minor every 20 21 all the way up so it's brilliant to be able to see that side of the city picking it picking it up now and, and you can see there's definitely a championship in that team like it, that won't be the last time we see them there's still a, a lot of that age group are still mid to, to early 20s so yeah we would have a good bit of crack but uh we, we kind of have one up with them at the minute so uh <laughs> until the fiena win that one we can we can still keep cracking jokes <laughs> for yourself um you you have had a fair share of battles uh with injuries throughout the year yeah yeah unfortunately so um yeah a lot of a lot of hamstrings um even this year uh unfortunately coming into the right form in and around April, May and just just the hamstring went and at a key time of the year and then it's 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 really, really hard. You know, the, the, the games come thick and fast then after that and it's very difficult to break into a, a championship panel after that. Um so I've I've been unfortunate over the years, but um it's it, you can only try and learn from it. Um and that's that's the only thing I'm telling myself anyway is it's an absolute sickener. But 
every time I do get injured, I can listen to my body more. I can I can come back stronger, or I can I can work on something else that wasn't working. So I suppose even this year, putting the hamstring on, though, I know, you know, the amount of rest that I need at my age. I'm not 25 anymore, or you know, I know the sort of things that my body needs. So it's it's just making sure I can try and stay injury free myself. Yeah, no, I've had I've had a lot over the years, and it's more than I'd like to say. So. But I'd like to think I've become wiser and, and been able to, 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 to learn from them a small bit more now, yeah. It's particularly hard, I imagine, as an inter-county player when you're rehabbing away and you're seeing, I suppose, lads out training and like you only love to be playing yourself. Yeah, look, it is extremely tough, especially I always feel bad for the lads with broken arms because... Uh, they can't hurl, but they can run. <laughs> so, so all they're doing on the sideline is getting absolutely dogged. Well, look, yeah, it is. Look, you just become, like, I can only speak again my own experience. You, you become less of a priority for the management team because you're, you're not of no use to them, but you can't be in their immediate plans. So it all then comes down to, you know, your support network in the S&C team and, and how you can kind of set yourself your own goals and also then contribute where you can, if it's for video analysis or if it's to coach some other players or some younger players in the team. So, yes, it's extremely difficult doing, you know, those repeated runs and hamstring rehab. I've done it a thousand times. Um, but you, you try and, number one, you lean on the support that you have. I mentioned Moss Lambin, our S&C coach, our, our physiotherapist. Um, Clean O'Connor is our S&C coach. Um, she's worked with Cool as well, so I know her quite closely. Um, you lean on them to, to help you set yourself goals so that you're not going crazy just looking at the looking at the team train um, and, and try and just do whatever you have to do to shave off a day or two days off your off your recovery period, you know. And that kind of rehab instantly, like you mentioned there, pulling your hamstring in April, you obviously wouldn't have been able to do a lot with a pulled hamstring at the start. No, no like uh, it's 72 hours, they say, like, <sighs> I could probably tell you the, the the program, but it's seventy two hours. But once once that no no maybe even less than that. But once that goes, like you'd be surprised the way it's changed so much. You know, there's obviously things are changing. There's different. I'm not an, I'm not an expert in this. I haven't a clue. But like, you're trying to get the muscle moving as quick as possible and putting as much load as you can to get it used to that movement as quick as possible. So even if it's just you know. Uh, double leg or whatever double leg bridge or some sort of you know nordic curl that you're trying to do immediately you can start working on it because i think the first few weeks or especially the first couple of days are so crucial to make sure that you can get it started the healing process as quick as possible and um, so immediately straight after you're trying to do as much as you can keep it compressed for the couple of days keep it iced get to the sea and then you are doing exercises straight away to make sure that you're putting that putting that load through the hamstring to make sure it's uh it's it's you know rebuilding and regenerating and you're getting the blood flow through the hamstring straight away and again i'm not a <laughs> you should put a health warning beside this I'm probably, <laughs> I'm probably sending my physio mad now he'll probably text me after this and, and give out to me but yeah it's, it's it's trying to get as much bring it bringing it to that level every single time and, and try and, and narrow your recovery down and limerick of obviously being the standard bears and in the last few years in uh, Hurling, do you feel the gap is as big as everyone's saying um, with Limerick? Or... Um, like I can only speak, we haven't, you know, we can only speak from experience and like a lot of those teams are playing for Nipirsig uh, and all the style of Hurling that they play, it's, you know, it's, it's dynamic. 
and they've got a great mix in their panel. You know, they have some amazing threat up front um, with really dynamic wing backs and then great experience and a great game reader in, in Declan Han at centre back. You know, so the team is re really, really well balanced. Um, they are taking the game to a new level in terms of bringing it to the edge, um, playing within the rules, but being as physical as possible. So, I mean, they are the level to get to. There's no arguments being made about that, that you'd be stupid not to say that. But in terms of the gulf between them, again, that's 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 not up for me to, to say. It's it's up for the likes of you podcasters to <laughs> to have an opinion on that. But what I would say is it's it's extremely competitive. Munster Championship is extremely competitive. Leinster is, is very competitive too, and it can all change in a day. And again, in conditions like this, in terms of COVID and the pandemic, I think pre-seasons and how you prepare is completely changed. So I think that there's there's a lot more deviation in that. So it's a chance for a lot of people to catch up really quickly or it's a lot of chance for people to fall back into the, the pack. I think Limerick's job is to kind of stay ahead of the curve and, and it's up to the rest of us to try and catch up. And between being a inter-county and club, like particularly when you won it, there wouldn't have been a split season. But to finally see it now, like it must be very satisfying to I suppose have a bit of direction for a G in the GA calendar yeah yeah absolutely absolutely um I think I think the more defined a season we can get it means I think everyone wins players win and the fact they have a defined off season where they can actually take time out and recover um the championships have their own breathing space so they can get as much coverage as possible as enough breathing space enough fan coverage enough television viewership or whatever the sponsors care about you know and then the club has its own space to to, to advertise the game and, and and again you can't you can't ignore the club it's the lifeblood it's it's where 99 percent of of the association lives so you, to make sure that that has that season too is is incredibly uh, is incredibly important so it's great to see great like great to see a defined season even a condensed season like i remember we were playing you know you'd have you'd finish start training in december You'd finish, you'd have a Walsh Cup in January, you do the entire league, that'd finish up in April. And then your first round mightn't be to the end of June. Like, so you have, basically, you have to do another preseason between April and, you know, May. You have two full months and then into, into Championship again. And once you're finished Leinster, then you play, I think it was July, 1st of July or the 7th of July, and then you don't have a match till the 4th of August. Like, you know, so <laughs> you can see Kilkenny won the Championship in four matches, but it took from May to September to win them, like to play four matches. Um, so yeah, no, it's good. And the better direction we're going in to get a more defined season, it, the better, um, the better it is for, for injuries, the, the better it is for player enjoyment, you know, and I think it's, uh, I think it's great. And then the next step then is to, to ensure that the, the, the women then also from, a, from the ladies football on the Camogie side, it, it'd be amazing if, if they could have their own defined season. Now that's, that's pie in the sky stuff, but making sure there's equal, measure and support given to, to both codes um, and both obviously women's sport and men's sports would be absolutely fantastic but we're not quite there yet but we can hope and finally David uh, just a few quick fire questions for you go for it um, Here, did you did you get those questions on Instagram there's going to be a few dodgy ones thrown in I, I, was, I guess you watch that soft when you put that post up um, the best hurler you played against uh, marked or just been on the field with been on the field with uh, probably Shefflin like you know I can't I can't read really I played him in that Leinster final in 2009 um, how can you brilliant as manager brilliant as a player top championship score all Ireland's everything yeah definitely Shefflin 
Just actually to maybe thought of it I meant to ask you earlier on during the podcast. Uh playing with hurling with Conal Callum, what's that been like? Yeah, it's it's been great. Like again, um you know, amazing, amazing player, like both football and obviously hurling as well is incredible. Um he's just a everyone's just King Con or whatever the nickname, but he's he's great, he's great attitude towards it. Uh lovely fella I'd be quite close to his brother Keen. obviously I play hurling with Keen and, and I know him really well but um, yeah brilliant brilliant to have as a teammate great threat to have and, and, and comes from a great family the O'Callaghan's obviously cousins with the Shanes and the Toomey's again in the, in the pen so it's, he's not really let get above a station for our club um, I think he'd be talked down to that but yeah brilliant fella and, and yeah lucky enough to, to have a player of that quality in, in and, and opting to play hurling with, with us you know You never try and rope him into the Dublin hurlers no, because he's a forward. He just takes me position. <laughs> I'd say give it a few years, Con, until you, if, you, if you do come across. Now I'm only messing. Obviously, you'd be blessed to have a, a player of his uh, ability over that. But you could say that for a lot of players. You know, you have a lot of you have likes of Kieran Kenny, the likes of Cormac Oslow, all fantastic hurlers have played all the way for Dublin underage. Like so, uh, yeah. Obviously, you take them with you take them with both hands, but it's it's not it's not an option, unfortunately. Then uh, your toughest opponent. Toughest opponent? Oh, toughest opponent. Like uh, probably JJ Delaney when I marked him. There's a great photo of him uh, on me on Sportsfile. Again, my first year where basically uh, his, his arm is down like this and I'm literally like this. And then the ball, the ball is just in his hand, like, you know, absolutely mauling me. So, yeah, I'd have to say, yeah, very, very, they made very tough JJ Delaney, I have to say. Yeah, most skillful uh, with Dublin that you played with. Uh, slows like you know the way Paul Ryan hits the ball, um, unbelievable. Dotsy, the way he jinks, you know, is great way of finding space. Um, Danny does some special things with the ball when he's running with the ball. You know, Danny Sutcliffe. Um, currently, you'd probably have to say Donald Burke. Um, he's kind of having it all. He's brilliant to freeze, and he's got great touch, um, great awareness. Um, probably, I'd have to say Donald Burke. Great stuff. David Tracy, uh, thanks very much for your time. No worries.